the hallway track of the Elixir community. Mm, that coffee sounds good. With this complex topic, I'm having a beer. Mm, that's good. I'm having I'm having a beer and caffeine. I mean, why not an upper and a downer at the same time? Got to be careful. That's how that's how Chris Farley died. Uppers and downers, Coke and beer at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> Except for his Coke is different, I think, than mine. Ish. Is this too soon? Yes, it is. It is actually <laughs> too soon. All right. I think are we are we all recording? I think we are all recording. I think we should get all of the preliminary things out of the way up front before we get it to our main topic. Okay. Well, just to, if anybody has any topics they want to bring up ahead of time, we should go ahead and cover those now before we get into like the, the main topic. I think we should start with the dramatic reading of that phone. Oh my gosh, no. <laughs> of every. <laughs> Every post? Yeah. Uh, I didn't make it through all of them. We do have a winner for our book. Maybe we should announce that, the book that we're oh, giving yeah. away. And he's in Sao Paulo, Brazil. It's uh, Vinny. We'll just we'll just go with Vinny because I don't know that he wants his name sprawled out, even though we said it on Twitter. So congratulations to Vinny. And uh, hopefully he, he gets his book before we get to do our podcast on the book. Nice. Anna, you're about to leave. You're about to like leave the country to go to Sweden. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm very jealous. It's, it's going to be so much fun. It'll be fun. It'll be really fun. Have you not been? I've been before. It's part of why I'm jealous. Because <laughs> it's really nice. Been to Stockholm or? You've been to Codebeam, right? Stockholm. I haven't been to Codebeam. I've been to Stockholm for unrelated things. Any must-dos? I would recommend all like the, the different museums that are over there. Um, they're all really, really fun. Um, they're cheap. And they're they're within walking of of like most of you know the sort of the downtown area, and they're a lot of fun, really really well kept and that kind of stuff. So that that's a good time. You can go walk around in the park. I mean I don't know Stockholm's just a beautiful city. There's all kinds of cool things just to go see and do. Yeah, I'm excited. Should be fun. Um, and I'm excited about ElixirConf. Oh yeah, you got into ElixirConf. Oh yeah, that'll be fun. Congratulations there too. Thank you. I think it'll be fun. Yeah, I'm starting. It's getting towards that time of year where conferences are coming back up, and I'm very excited. And it's always fun because that's a time to go actually see all the people that I don't talk to but on text or, like, IRC or yeah. forum posts or whatever. Like, you know, that's when I can actually go see all my Elixir friends. So it'll be fun. Totally. Yeah, I picked up my tickets. Yay! And I think I'm going to pick up some Gig City tickets, oh, too. Oh, dude, nice. Nice! I'm, Yay! I, I might bring my son. I don't know yet. Depends on whether he wants to That's go. That's awesome. Wait, so can we actually all maybe record in the same space? I don't. I don't think. Yes. That's, no. That's we're, we can. We can make that happen. <laughs> There's like a recording. Um, we have like a, a, a like a pretty nice AV setup at our public library, so we can probably just go use that. That'd we just be rad. Some Sweet. And go do it. That'd be super fun. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Like a real studio. Yeah. It'd be like Good Eats on Saturday Night Live. <laughs> yeah, just something like that. It'll be just exactly like that. <laughs> a really good NPR show. <laughs> oh, wait, are we all going to just kind of talk breathlessly in like very low volumes? Is that that kind of NPR show? Or like Yes. I'm really happy that you could all come to the conference. It's, all right. Or anyway. or are you talking about more like a high high polished NPR show which is which is more like a a spoken word poetry jam where like somebody has like written this essay and then they just read it for an hour into a microphone. 
We oh, I don't think yeah. we have, and we we definitely don't have the budget of like Radio Lab, so that's not happening. Speak for yourself. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe Chris has. The well, no, I mean it's not that I have like a lot of money. It's just that I don't know that there's a lot of, a lot of funding for NPR right these days. <laughs> that's true. That's, yeah. That's fair. Um. Um. Well, Anna has a plane to get on, so. Yeah. Should we just dive in? Yeah. All right. Let's do it. <laughs> just thinking about that forum thread, <sighs> like, I get bored. Bored is not the right word, but like <laughs> I'm exhausted. Just uh, I don't know. I I only I only made it halfway through the thread because partway through there was a spinoff thread about rethinking app and ENV, and I there saw was there was Sasha's post about rethinking app ENV, and then I had to read everything on Twitter and uh, everything about this is long winded. Should we describe what we're actually, what the actual subject is, just in case people aren't yes. aren't familiar? Yes. I I think we should let Anna describe it. No, you should describe it, Chris. I think Chris has the most feelings. Well, we were just talking about long-winded, so I thought Anna should describe <laughs> it instead of Chris. I think Chris has some passion going into this. Curious. I'm curious how he's going to describe it. All right, let's let's hear it, Chris. All right. So what we're what we're talking about is the proposed changes well it's not even change it's like not even a pro- it's a weird proposal proposal because it's not even a proposal it's more like a request for comments in a lot of ways like there was very little proposal that was actually proposed <laughs> if that makes any sense <laughs> like i'm not sure what you mean by it but we're talking we're talking about the ongoing discussions that have been happening around config um and around Config and the, t- the 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 main thread of all of this is a post on the Elixir forum called Proposal colon moving towards discoverable config files, and I I think the way to do this is probably to 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 lay out the context and then talk about the proposal because otherwise the proposal doesn't make much sense without the context if that if that's fair sure I, I'm afraid that. There was a lot that went into that forum discussion that, I mean, it's related because it's the same area mm-hmm. as mm-hmm. the the um, original post, but but it's not trying to solve the same problem. Oh, absolutely. But will solve the same problem, probably, but there's, there's just so much going on in there that... This forum post, I mean, this forum thread, this is how I, I have to imagine, like, it must feel to be on the W3C and get proposals or whatever or like or whatever the javascript like board is and like get proposals from people this is like what is that tc39 or whatever that thing is called like that that's what this has got to feel like which is just like a people just like have dogpiled onto this one thread and they're just sort of like voicing their opinion whether or not their opinion has anything to do with the actual proposal or anything to do with the subject at hand and then i think that says that people configuration has bitten a lot of us working in here and and it's it's a hard problem so i i think that says something about the topic area more than whether the proposal itself is is good or not or solves the problem at hand i think that's why i am leaning i think that's why we should cover the the actual context of of why this is why this is happening because it 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 allow it it helps explain why people feel strongly about this 
Um, so with your permission, I will now try to explain the current yeah, state ahead. of yes. Mixed Config. Yes. Um, <clears throat> so uh, Mixed Config, it's existed for a, for as long as I've been doing Elixir. Like it's one of the, you know, one of the things that I remember uh, about learning Elixir and saying, oh, this is cool. It's got it's like built-in configuration stuff. Mixed Config does a lot of things. Uh, it allows people to configure different libraries, different applications, different dependencies that they have. Those dependencies, dependencies, all of it uh, gets read out of your application or out of your config. And the way that it does that is that uh, the config scripts themselves are just Elixir scripts and they just get executed. They're arbitrary code that gets executed um, and you can put whatever you want in there. And what happens is they go through and they run that code. Well, one of the fancy pieces of that code is that little config macro. And what it does is it, under the hood, is it populates, populates application dot, uh, application env. So when you say things later on, like application.getInv, that's why you can do that. And Mix just runs that whenever it boots your application. It also does it like it knows that if those files change, it needs to like recompile things. So it can also recompile your whole project based on changes that happen in config. And whenever it boots, it just it run it executes those files and it and those end up populating application env. Now, let's talk a little bit about um, what are the problems with that. And and the, I think the real thing is like mix config. It's not. And the reason this forum post is so ridiculous is it's not just one problem. It's like a rat king of problems. Like there's like a, a ton of problems that are all intertwined together. So should we start with the one problem that Jose was kind of trying well, to solve? I believe I, he was trying I, to solve, which is releases versus. Right. So so the main problem, the problem that most people point to as being the, the biggest source uh, of pain with config is that they work differently depending on whether or not you're running your application with mix. So if you're running with mix, it always runs, it always, you know, loads those scripts at boot. However, if you build a release, there is no more mix. And if you're deploying with releases, those do no longer get run at boot time. They're only run at uh, compile time. And it's compile time is like a kind of a weird word. They're run when the release is created is kind of a more correct way to say that. Um, and they are executed and then compiled into a sys.config file that can be used that can be used when you actually boot your release. But what that means is that if you have code inside of your config files, uh, especially side affecting code, things that, you know, pull value, like if you write system.getinv inside your config file, that gets run once and it only gets run once uh, if you're running a release. And it only gets run once when you build the release. So it's going to be based on whatever the build environment is. So if those environment variables don't exist in your build environment, they just get don't they don't get populated with anything. Or or the wrong thing. Like if you look at host, like system host, uh, and your build box is not your production server, then then you have different addresses. So that is that's the main source of, of pain. Now I think there's well, and to be clear, that's the thing that that's the that's what this proposal is attempting to solve is that specific problem. Now I think it's worth pointing out 
that there's a a bunch of sub problems with Mexican fig and that are largely, you know, they're more human problems and uh, and community problems. But one is config has allowed a, a lot of overuse of application environment. And I, I think, but basically everyone agrees at this point that uh, our overuse of application environment is not a good thing. I mean, that's why it's in the library guidelines now as a like, don't do this anymore kind of thing. Like, I mean, it literally, there's a guideline that's like, stop using, <laughs> stop using application M for configuration. Well, and to be fair, when people were first coming to Elixir, that uh, that was a lot of the only examples. And when you see something called config that allows you to pass these variables or mm-hmm. configurations mm-hmm. down yeah, fairly exactly. easily, mm-hmm. it, it made it seem okay. Well, and I would, I would bet that most people don't realize what it's doing, which is like updating application env at all when they first look at it. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. all of the major libraries that are out there, to your point, they, they did this. This is like how they how you configured right. everything. Well, it's like how you did yeah. things, right? And it's how you did things for the most popular libraries in the ecosystem was you used mm-hmm. this stuff. So that is, so there's, there's a cultural problem, which is that we've overused the thing a lot and that's, and it's become the de facto standard way to do it. Like if you look at just about any Elixir library, readme, the, the first step after install the, the dependency is here's what to go set in your mix config. Right. So I, I guess my, my thing in reading the proposal is that problem, like you said, is a cultural problem. It's a people problem. Is it a people problem that can be solved with technology? Well, yeah, that's or is a really it a good people question. problem that needs to be solved with dissemination of well, knowledge? Well, so that's that's a very interesting question. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I mean, so what's happened is uh, in an attempt to get people to stop using, uh, basically, in order to get people to stop using mixed config for what what we're now kind of universally calling dynamic configuration, where dynamic means like. I need to get values from the environment or I need to get values from some other source. And that's going to be what I, how I configure my, 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 you know, my, uh, database, my database connection or my, um, Phoenix endpoint or whatever. Like if you need a host. Right. Yeah. Anything like that. If you need to get dynamic configuration, there's a push to try to get people to stop using mix config for that. And the, and the, I guess, I don't know. It's it's hard to say that it's like the supported answer because it's not like it's not that well supported. But the 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 paradigm that's come out most recently is to use uh, the init callback pattern. So this this is like stuff like uh, endpoint and repo. Why do you want those configurations to come at runtime versus compile time? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, well, so the reason. <laughs> oh, I think that's Anna's mom. <laughs> Hi, Anna's mom. The reason you'd want uh, the reason you would want to get that stuff at runtime versus compile time is if you're, you know, uh, it depends on when you're how you're deploying um, your stuff. Like maybe you're deploying to maybe you're deploying the same release but to different environments. Maybe you're deploying to staging versus production, and you don't want to bake in, you know, your your database host and your database port and your database name and all that stuff. Uh, when you compile the release, because otherwise, because that means you have to compile a staging release and you have to compile a production release. Right. I, w- I want to compile once and run on 10 servers, not have to compile right. on each server. Not have to deal with that yeah, and set the end bar. Exactly. Well, yeah. So there's, there's a whole there's a whole bunch of reasons why you don't want to do it uh, at compile time. 
Um, there's been other attempts to solve this in the past, and uh, one of them was to use the like system tuple, I guess. I don't know the right word for it, but, but people would do this pattern where if you passed in a tuple where the first thing in the tuple was a uh, was an atom uh, that was system, you could like pass a string as the second thing and then that would be evaluated when when that dependency booted and then would look into the environment to go get them to go get the value okay. that was like a pattern that came out it was definitely not a standard most libraries didn't support it and it was weird like it like there was no documentation on why it worked it was just a totally convention uh, and not everybody supported it anyway so it's like barely a convention you know it was more like a gala <laughs> so there was that one the other real common uh answer to this is replace os bars which uh if you've built a release you probably are aware of the replace os bars option which allows you to, to to specify values in your config as strings and you put a dollar sign in front of them and then before the the release boots it runs a shell script which i believe like aux like awk like aux out all of the uh those strings and looks for them in and as environment variables and attempts to like expand them during that stage and that's part of distillery like distillery like builds that uh into it and so it it runs that um it it runs that expansion as like a as like a pre-boot step so that your sysconfig is correct before your before your stuff boots so that's another that's another option that people have done both of those options, I want to point out, only solve the problem of environment variables. They don't solve the problem mm-hmm. of, like, what if my config lives in Vault, if you've used Vault before? What if my config lives in a database? What if my config is in etcd or Zookeeper or something? You know what I mean? Like, what if I get my config any other way <laughs> than environment variables? For Bamboo, the email thing, I created the Bamboo config adapter for exactly the same kind of problem is that bamboo didn't allow dynamic configuration like at runtime and so if you wanted to add a way for your application to change email hosts you had to be able to compile that in which meant that also if i'm my application is running not on some website that i have but let's say i have something that i give out to customers to run locally, I have to recompile for each one of them instead of giving them a configuration page. And then if they need to make a change, they have to call me and I have to recompile it again. Yeah, that's frustrating. That is the other important, important sub problem with config. And and it's hard. It's, I won't say that it's a, well, it's, it's not correct to say it's a sub problem. It's a feature of config that is used to good effect in many places, but provides limitations overall. And that is that the config is populated prior to like prior to mix compiling your Elixir code. And so your macros and, and like you can get access to application env while you're compiling. So this is used in a couple different places and thus the config has to be there. Like for instance, um, Ecto. Ecto has to know at compile time whether or not you're using the MySQL adapter or the Postgres adapter because it compiles different code based on that. So that has to be in your mix config 
Yeah, I, my thoughts on that were, why aren't the compile time things configured within your mix EXS instead of instead of in some config? And and even in your dependencies, could you pass a config into um, your dep string, right? Yeah. So you could pass something into that for each application that needs its own configuration. Well, so a lot of people brought up, I mean, okay, and then let me let me start try to start over. There's, <laughs> we're we're a ways into this for you to start over. Yeah. <laughs> so so the compilation step stuff is definitely interesting. The really, if you understand that mix config is compile time, um, then that's fine you can use that to good effect the really nefarious stuff is when people start to bake in dynamic can, what should be dynamic conf- variable stuff yep, yep. what mm-hmm. should be dynamic configuration at compile time and that definitely happens and uh, you know most people get bit by the uh by the thing where they do application.getinv with a with a module attribute and then they change their config and then it it doesn't like re recompile or whatever because like is anybody you know that that's a, like a common problem you know yeah, and, yeah, and there sure. are definitely cases of that too oh i have somebody knocking <laughs> i'll be back that was hilarious i have on air written on my <laughs> door on your door uh it's gonna, yeah like, uh, my it's my door probably lower it's, your property it's glass value, right oh it's okay. it's glass so i wrote it with a with a whiteboard yes. marker and I put paper on the side of it so that everybody can see where I wrote. And, uh, yeah. But um, I, he probably didn't yeah, read it. <laughs> <laughs> he He's it, he's from Ghana, too. So I don't know if he read it or not. Or knew what on air meant. Sorry. So so to, to loop back to what you were saying about uh, Mix is... And I'm going to get there in this like sort of circuitous route. But it's that... Some people were just said, basically, why don't you just always make mix config run at runtime? Like, solves the problem, right? But you can't actually do that because it's it's needed for a, certain, a lot of dependencies so that they can use it to compile. I, I think, generally speaking, I think a huge part of this problem, again, culturally, is that people don't think of Elixir as a compiled language. And it 100% is. Like, people don't, people don't treat it like that. You know, people are looking at it like I'm going to configure this the way that I would configure my Java, my JavaScript app, my Ruby app, whatever. And it's it's not it's not a, it's That's not a a, it's not a language like that. It's a it's a compiled language. And so you do need some configs that are working at compile time. And you also need a way to get dynamic configuration to your point, Amos, about, well, it'd be nice to just put this stuff in mix.exs. That was brought up that's brought up in this thread and just sort of shot down. Like it's just, that's not a thing that that's from what I can tell. It's a, it's purely taste. Like that's a taste thing. And yeah, I was going to say, why would that not be a reasonable option? I could understand that though. Like it was like, it just taste wise. It doesn't feel good. Like I don't want to do it. It doesn't feel like the right place to put it. So, and we already have config. Everybody already uses config and we're just, you know, going to continue to do that. Now I will also say there's a lot, of debate around how willing are we as a community to break things and i would say that the answer you know i don't want to like speak for people too much but uh i would say that the answers that have been given are very much like we're not breaking anything so everything has to be backwards compatible and and i 
that that's not abnormal in a lot sure. of communities. That's uh, fair. Well, it's, especially as they grow, right, and they become a little bit more robust, I think it's harder. Um, but I think that begs the question of when it seems like there's a need, right? How do you solve, given that you don't want to break anything, but like, how do you actually go about solving that problem? And and not discouraging people in the process. Yeah, and not discouraging people in the process, right? So that, I think all of that brings us to the actual proposal. <laughs> um, and yes, to, to your point, uh, this is this proposal is very much about how do we solve the immediate problem of the discrepancy between mix running things with mix locally and running a release and how do we solve yep. that and i from what i can tell you know just to kind of summarize the proposal basically boils down to mix config should support some amount of runtime something <laughs> like at this point the conversation has kind of devolved a little bit but there's there's two main kind of threads to this there's there's two main there's two main uh uh, options but both of them involve doing something that allows people to specify runtime configuration via mix so with that i'll shut up for a little bit uh i'll have more to say later i'm sure but someone else can talk (laughs) i mean what do you what do you think about that proposal i know you also had thoughts amos uh i i think so so i struggle because I see the community kind of going back and forth because I think that the config problems that they've run into, they want to solve all of them. And part of in solving the ones that they're having problems with is very related to this release versus running with mix issue. So everybody's jumping in and saying, hey, I'm very opinionated on config because I've run into these issues. I think that Jose's proposal solves the issue that he's after at the moment. Like what's right in his face is let's solve this for releases and in probably the quickest way possible to reduce people's pain right now in the moment. Right. I feel like it's, it's like taking ibuprofen. (laughs) You know, it's, it's might be covering up a bigger problem, but sometimes you need to cover up that problem in order to focus on the next one. Or at least start, or at least find a place where you can start, right? Like, yeah. it seems like there's a lot of different things that people have very strong opinions on, which is not unlike any programming community, right? Um, <laughs> <laughs> right? Um, but I think also you have to start somewhere, right? And trying to solve everything at once will usually get you nowhere. Right. And and so that's what I worry about, too, um, with the whole proposal, with how big this discussion has gotten uh i really like in the proposal that the inversion of where you how you include files and putting that into the mix excess i think that mm-hmm. that is a is a good step mm-hmm. it does make things more complicated and and you might have to think through them a little better but i think keeping at least keeping the calls to mix env out of your configuration files is is a step in the right direction which that would do uh, it's just to limit what's in there. I agree. I don't think the on boot callback that people had is 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 bad because I think that it might make people think about what they're they're doing in there. But at the same time, I I don't think it solves really anything other than putting something in somebody's face. And I think the inversion of control is a whole lot better way to do that. 
I agree with that. But ultimately, I, I don't think that this solves the wider issue. It solves a very no. limited issue. But was the but the, the goal wasn't necessarily to solve the was to solve this particular issue, right? I think I mean my my take on it, uh, and this is probably wrong, <clears throat> but just based on conversations I had on Twitter and and conversations I've had elsewhere, I think what's happened is this. I think because to me we have a solution for this already, and the solution is init callbacks. Like that's a really good solution. Um, Ecto and Phoenix both support it. You know when when I'm working on libraries, that's what I'm that's what I'm doing. Uh, and I think that's a really good way to do it. The other really good way to do this is just freaking pass arguments to, to stuff when you start it, like just pass arguments to function calls. You know, there is no reason you have to have this configuration thing to do all this. My understanding of where, uh, if I had to guess at where this is coming from, I bet this is coming from people. I don't, I don't, I, God, I don't want to be mean. I don't want to be, I don't want to be negative, but I think before, before you, before you end up negative, maybe I can ask this question. It might, might help with, with the, with the init callbacks, if, or, or passing things in, how do we do that when it's starting an application? Oh, you just, I mean, the, the way we did it is uh you just add it you add if you have a dependency that needs configuration before it boots um or as it boots i should say and it doesn't allow you know it doesn't have a good way to to manage that then the way that we solved this at latote um was we would add that dependency to our to the list of included applications which means that uh, it needs to be included in the release but you're going to manage its startup time we would populate the application env ourselves in the application start callback, uh, and then we would uh, we would start the the dependency ourselves. You came up with a workaround. I mean, I won't even say it's a. It, I mean, it, I, to me, it's not even a workaround in it as much as it's just like this is just a very viable way to do things. I don't know why. So it's so two things that is like I don't know why that's a workaround and not just like why that's not acceptable. Like you know what I mean? Like I don't know why people balk at that. So if I'm doing an included application, but one of my other applications depends on that too. So like FTP, it's a separate application and I have three or four things depending on that. And once I make it an included application to one of them, I have to decide which one is in charge of it. And the other ones kind of assume that FTP has started if that application started and it might not be right. In which case, like, yeah, you do end up in, in a, in a sort of cascade of like, well, now I've got to start a bunch of stuff by hand, but I would, and some of that stuff, and, and and to be fair, some of that stuff you don't get to control. Like you know, you know, I mean, like like kernel. Kernel needs a, a configuration, and it's going to start before any of your other stuff starts. So you have to set all that crap up, right? Um, you know, some of the other libraries, like they're harder to work around. Um, so you have to like, you're going to have to do more work in some ways. But I I think for the vast majority of things, like that's okay. Like I don't. I don't know. Like I'm, I'm just not offended by that. You know what I mean? Like that doesn't, doesn't feel wrong to me. It doesn't feel, it doesn't offend my sensibilities, you know? And in many ways it's like, Oh, right. Well, I understand how this works because I set it all up. I, I guess there's an argument to be made that maybe it's more error prone if you set it all up yourself. But I mean, you're just starting, you're just starting apps um, and passing them values. I think if I had to guess, 
this proposal is mostly coming from, I, I think the core team, which is to say like, I, when I say core team, I just mean like the Phoenix team, the Ecto team, and then the actual Elixir team like lumped all together because there are a lot of the same people. Um, so just like in general, core, core-ish people. I think they've had to deal with a bunch of like questions about this. I think they've had a bunch of issues that have been opened about like, why can't I just, you know, why doesn't this, I mean, not to be too flippant, but just like, I suspect a lot of questions are like, why doesn't this work the way Rails does? Like, why doesn't this just work the way that I think my Rails app should work? And which is like, I mean, Rails is, I mean, I don't know. It's, we just we had this conversation about the community defining itself differently, right? Like there's, it's not Rails, right? And right. I think there's a huge part of that in this. Yeah. This problem happens in Rails too. There's there's definitely, like boot boot time versus runtime. A lot of times with uh, constants, people would assign them to something and expect that every time I call it, I get the new environment variable. And you're like, well, no, it happened at <laughs> at startup. So you kind of end up in the same situations, even in But Rails. I think there's a fundamental misunderstanding, which is that a lot of people coming into Elixir don't think of it like a compiled language. And that's what it is. And and I think that's leading to a lot of these problems. Like that's leading to a lot of these kinds of questions, um, you know, just just generally speaking. And how do we shift? So then how do we shift that? Right. Like, how does the community shift that? Perception? Well, I mean, that's a really good question, because um you know, I mean, the, as as some folks said on Twitter, it's like, well, we we try the init callbacks for a year and it didn't work. We still get a lot of issues about it. You know, we still get I mean, Chris, Chris McCord was saying this to me on Twitter. He's like, we still get a bunch of issues. People still open pull requests, you know, people are, are complain about it or whatever. And it's like so to them, it's like a very, very real problem. The fact of the matter is, is all the other people that I talk to who do Elixir and have been doing it in production don't have I mean I don't know we don't have questions about this I don't think I think all of us really liked init callbacks and we just did our best to avoid mixed config I think the init callbacks have a PR problem yeah absolutely they're they uh, I mean I, I knew about them but I don't think about them that often because every library is application config every piece of documentation talks about application config there's very few places that are talking about the init callbacks. Right. And if they are mentioned, like if you look at like the Ecto and Phoenix docs, they're, they're, you know, practically an afterthought, you know, it's like, Oh, well, if you do need to set stuff, you can do it this way too. But like all the getting started guides, all the instructional materials, like, to, like you said, they're, they all just look at mixed config. Well, they're, they're trying to, to give the simple path to get going, right? That's the same problem that you have with examples on on any piece of software looking at Stack Overflow is that if you if you see these examples and they're all not maybe not the ideal world example, but the here this is how I can quickly show you how to do it. After a while, after you've seen that a thousand times, that's all you think about is that quick way to do it. And you don't think about Oh, what are the what are the trade-offs and what am I dealing with here? But if you see the maybe what we would prefer as the main thing over and over, it might be harder for you to grasp at first, but if you see it a thousand times, then that's the way that you think things are done. I think part of it too is just that 
I, I mean, I wonder anyway, I wasn't there, I wasn't involved in this, in the discussions, but I wonder if the init callback thing was like more of a, a safety valve. Like it was like, we have to have a solution for this. So this is what we came up with and it wasn't proven when they did it. And so, you know, that's why there wasn't a big PR push to be like, this is the right way to do things now. I mean, that's me just completely speculating. I don't know, but you know, it, it does feel like a kind of thing where it, it looks like it's been added as a way to solve a problem and the problem they were solving wasn't the overuse of mix config the problem they were solving is like we do need to give people a way to dynamically do this stuff so this is like the way that we want to do it now um and we're going to see if it works out right my opinion would be at this point to just basically say let's just all ditch <laughs> the the way that we've been doing it and lean into this um and lean into things like init callbacks because here, I'm talking way too much, but but um, here's the other question I want to pose for people, which is that, um, or maybe not question, but here's the other scenarios. Here's the other things I, w I think about when I'm thinking about, you know, this kind of stuff. Um, dynamic configuration sort of by, des like, by necessity or by uh, uh definition is configuration that you don't have local inside source control, right? It's like stuff that you can't control. It's something that you need to get from an external source. And that external source is most often environment variables. But for many of us, it's not. For many of us, it's etcd, or it's some sort of like global store somewhere, or it's a database or it's a vault, you know, it's like, it could come from any numerous sources. And when you do that, you have to do something that involves a side effect. And as we all know, side effects are unreliable and they can crash and things, bad things can happen. My core problem with all of these uh, proposals is that I think it's an attempt to band-aid over a singular problem, which is environment variables one. And it doesn't take into account the kind of systems thinking and the kind of fault tolerance design that I would like to see people being pushed to do. Is that actually the case? Or is that, I mean, I'm not, and maybe that is, is that actually the, what's happening here? Or is it like, I don't know, maybe Amos said, this is like the need to currently solve the problem so that we can move forward and think about how to solve it more holistically. like. Which scenario is it, right? Is it just like we're gonna do this and not think? I don't think it. I don't. I don't think it would be like we're gonna do this and not think no, about it. No, I'm not saying that. I don't want to. And I don't want to. I don't want to like lay at the feet. I don't want to like lay a bunch of blame at anybody's feet here. I'm just. I'm. I, I think they're solving a problem that they're being presented with a lot. Um, and and as I told Chris on Twitter, uh, the the supporters of uh, the people who don't have problems with this don't open issues on on GitHub repos. Like, you know, they're hearing from a lot of people who are like complaining about config and, and config has been, a, it has been a source of complaining in the community for a while. My response though, is that I don't think the problem is with config. I think the problem is with education and the way that people have used config and overused config. Because if no one ever did anything that involves side effects inside of a config file, this problem would literally not exist. You know, 
That's like interesting. If you, if yeah. you never called system.getin or did anything else that involved any sort of side effect, literally this problem goes away. Right, right but that would be a difficult, uh, difficult thing to build to force people not to be able to do that. You have to go through and know every piece of code that can cause a side effect. Like you can't actually determine that, you know, with any sort of, right. you know, in, in any sort of realistic way. But, um, I mean, as I pointed out, I don't know, like, I don't know how, I don't know how I feel about this, but, uh, I mean, this would never fly because one, it's a breaking change. And two, I just think it's the community who's the community would probably revolt. Like most of the community would probably disagree with me on this, but if you want to make them work the same way that releases work, literally make it only compile time and stop running mixed config at boot. Then they work exactly the same way. Solved. Yeah. I mean, I think that's part of the discrepancy, right? Is that you have these different uh, dynamics depending on what you're, the, the environment that you're in, right? And that's, but if you, but if, if, if what your goal is, is to, is to reconcile the differences between running things in development and running things on releases, then that's the fastest way to do it. And it's the, the safest way to do it because you don't add any more complexity. In fact, you start removing complexity. And, and then you can start to actually force people to go down a different path. And that's to me, the, that's where I start to like, I, I won't say take issue, but I, that's where I start to disagree with the, with the proposals because I think the proposals are attempting to, to solve a problem about, you know, setting configuration at runtime. That's like, that's the territory that these proposals are starting to walk into. And personally, I'm not sure that you can solve that. I don't think that there is a one size fits all solution for that. I think it's a giant, it falls squarely into the camp of it depends because maybe the right thing for my system is um, I want to boot my app first, then I want to get configuration. And depending on the success or failure of that configuration, I want to retry and, uh, or, or I want to like, bring my app up into a stable state. Like maybe what you want to do is, is start the beam, get everything kind of like working and be at like sort of state zero, right? Like this, like the lowest baseline level of, uh, of runtime. Then you go to state one, which is where I make a call to vault and go get all the configuration that I need. And then I start up things like my repo. And then I start up things like my web server. And then I start up things like my Kafka connection or whatever. And that is predicated on whether or not that call to vault succeeded or failed. But if it fails, my app doesn't crash. It just stays at like state zero until it can successfully transition to state one until I actually can get the configuration that I need. And maybe that's the right thing to do for my app, right? Maybe that's the right, that that's the right scenario. Maybe the right scenario is that I crash, right? Maybe the, maybe the correct scenario is up. Oh, I can't talk to vault. So shut the app down. We're not going to bring an app up if we can't get its configuration. Um, there's a debate there, I think, about about the, the right way to do that. And it's going to be different for every single person and, and their applications. Agreed. I was just going to say, I totally hear what you're saying, and it makes sense. I'm imagining the core team, imagining being in their like they're getting all of these requests. They're getting all of these complaints, right? Like, how do you respond then, right? You need to do something. 
which is what I think that maybe it's not it's as holistic, but they need to do something to respond right to what people are requesting. And it sounds like, and from what you're saying, right, maybe there's there's a shift in how we think about our applications, or it's a shift in how we think about Elixir as a language. But that, how do we do that? Right, that takes longer and is harder. Absolutely. I mean, you're fighting however many years now of inertia. I mean, this is the way that people have done this for the entirety of the Elixir com- uh, community's life, and now we're saying that that's not a good. I, maybe that's now we're rethinking that. Now we're like starting to question that. And no crap, it's taking a long time to get people to actually buy into that. And if you change it, I mean, you think the formatter got a lot of complaints <laughs> and and pull requests and this should change and that should change. If if tomorrow you said, okay, config only runs at compile time and not at runtime, <laughs> It's it's gonna be a nightmare. I will have to unsubscribe from the GitHub list. Like <laughs> to be clear, like that no one will ever do that just because it is it's such a breaking change. It would it would make the entire community furious. Like no one's gonna no one's gonna actually go for that. Um if I was Jose, I would do it now just because you said it would never happen. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think it just it, uh, as a lot as a, I think in general in a more generic statement right as in general as programming communities grow right we often or, or when we build our own applications you know it's not any different right you, you you build things one way and you have them that way for a long time and then you're like oh wait this actually isn't working anymore and we need to rethink this and it does take a lot of time and a lot of effort and it is hard right it's not just elixir it's any programming community right like you get set in your ways so really what does that say about us as humans that it's actually really hard to do these things I think that's I think that's accurate. So what if we could make two configs a runtime and a compile time and then slowly phase out the make make the runtime have a uh, a warning that like a deprecation warning. Wait, which which one have a deprecation warning? Runtime. So you you could have two like config exs settings. One says, look at this file for runtime. One says, look at this file for uh, uh, compile time. So you're separating your compile time settings permanently. Like the runtime stuff won't even happen at compile time. So it forces people to start to separate them into multiple files. And then after a while, just say, hey, we're going to remove the runtime config option. So you got to find a new way, whether that's init callbacks or whatever. Because that option is going to go away. Yeah, I don't know. That might be a way to do it. And, and to be clear, that's one of the proposals uh, that, that people have brought up now is like, well, let's just have two different sets of files, one for from one specifically for compile time and one for runtime. I, I did see that. It didn't look like it was it was there was a whole lot of happiness behind it. And I understand their, the pain there. Like that's that's like, well, now I have to change. Right. Everything. And now and I have sucks. like six, <laughs> six things to change instead of just three. Yeah, yeah I, I definitely feel that. I got to bounce between a bunch of files, all for what feels like configure. It feels like the same thing, whether you're doing it runtime or compile time. It often looks similar, feels similar. So you're like, oh, it's all configuration. Let's just put it under this big umbrella. Uh, yeah, no, for sure. I mean, my my take on it is one, I just think that overall we, we use config way too much. Um, and especially compared to like, maybe maybe the right thing to do is just pass arguments to functions. Like, and and then you just like skip this whole problem entirely. Um, 
And the other thing is, I, I, you know, I just, I can't get over the thinking of like, well, maybe the right thing, maybe I should be the one to, to decide what to do if I can't talk to my external data store or whatever, uh, and decide how I want my, how to bring my system up. And that's not going to be as palatable for everybody. Like, I don't think that that's as interesting for people to think about. I think people do want, um, they want a quick solution because that's what they're used to. And because that, that'll, you know, because we're humans. Yeah, I, mean, and... I mean, there's like, um, there's totally valid reasons to want that. And I'm not even saying that I, I think I'm not saying that there's uh, people are, are wrong to even propose this kind of stuff. Right. Like, you know what I mean? Like this, I think I said this on Twitter, but it's these proposals feel like they're not for me <laughs> in a lot of ways. Like, this is not solving a problem that I have because I have a different, I have just a wholly different way of thinking about this that I just do when I'm building systems in Elixir. So it's like what, whether we add an on boot section of to, to configs that all that gets run when the app boots or whether we run the configs twice and, and that way we get them at, at runtime. Like those aren't things that I'm, I'm going to notice because I just don't use mix config for anything that I can. And I have different ways of working around it. And I just manage it all by myself in my application start. Um, you know, I I say all that, like, I don't think it's wrong for people to 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 want these solutions, you know, to want a solution to just to, to quickly kind of solve this problem. Um but it's also like, you know, it's a request for comments. And that's that would be my comment. It's like I just I don't get it. I actually don't think I don't think this is if it were up to me, I wouldn't change anything. I wouldn't change anything about how mixed config works. I would start to change the way that we educate people about how to use it. But I'm also not I my libraries aren't popular. Like I don't, you know what I mean? I don't I don't I'm not I'm not on the core team of anything, you know? And and like and you look at a guy like Jose, like Jose's got a what? He's like he's like running Ecto, Phoenix, and Elixir itself. Like you know, he's making those decisions. Like he's dealing with a lot of the same question. He definitely has more insights. I mean, all the people who responded to me from the different core teams were all basically saying the same thing, which is like this is a problem that we experience that you know you probably don't experience because you know your libraries suck so much. And <laughs> that's not fair. They did not tell you your libraries suck. They did not no, tell no, you no, that. No, no, they're all way too nice. They're they're all way too nice, which is why we have this problem. Which is why they're even entertaining these ridiculous <laughs> these ridiculous. You may not have this problem, but there's clear whether whether or not you think it's reasonable or not. Like there's clearly a large group of people who, or at least a vocal group of people, who have this absolutely. problem. Absolutely, absolutely. And, the core team is trying to do some, you have to start again, going back to this point, like we try, I don't know, like I I don't have insight into their thoughts, right? I don't have insight into how they're thinking about this whole thing as systematically, right? But they're trying, you have to start again, like just going back to a larger stepping up a little bit more high level. When we think about communities and we think about change, we're building these software building communities. You have, the change has to happen in pieces, right? You can't just do, it'll, I think it's harder for a community to just like, especially as the more established it gets to make huge sweeping changes suddenly. Um, and so they're trying to start somewhere, whether or not there is also something around education and thinking, shifting people think about the language. That's probably really important. That probably also needs to happen in a question of how we do that. I don't know. Yeah, that one's really hard. And I think that absolutely gets back to the stuff we talked about a couple, a couple of weeks ago, which was, 
how much influence has the Ruby community had over Elixir? You know, how much does marketing and the and the and the, the groups of human beings that we're marketing to influence the, the design of Elixir? You know, and and what kind of decisions are we making? To me, this falls squarely into the camp of like this is clearly based on the you know trying to capture the market of people coming from uh i won't say ruby exclusively but languages like ruby how do we make this feel more like it felt when i did when i was in this other paradigm and did this other thing which is not i'm not actually making a i know that it's probably sounding it's probably sounds really critical when i say that i'm not actually making a judgment on that like that's fine um I just think it's important to acknowledge that that's probably where that's coming from, whether or not it's it's a stated thing or if it's if it's you know uh, just subconscious. Um, and and you know, like I said, I'm not uh, I, I'm not I'm not gonna leave Elixir over this. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I'm not gonna be like, oh, they added on boot. Screw this! I'm out of here. It's rust all the way for me now. Like you know what I mean? Like I'm not. I'm not. That's not how, what I want to uh, convey. I'm gonna write go because I love formatters. Oh gosh, go. <laughs> uh, uh, anyway. Uh, oh go. Um, go and I have an interesting relationship, but. Oh yeah. That's a yeah, different. That's a different for one. a different day. <laughs> but. No, I mean, I think, I don't know. I, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a little worried. I would be a little worried, I should say, about adding more features to Mix because I think it's going to solve a specific problem that some people have. Um, and it, but, but it will simultaneously introduce new problems and I'm not, and I think it's going to make it less obvious and uh, I think it's going to make it uh, potentially more difficult and even more complicated to solve those same problems in different ways. So I'll, I'll say it that way. Like it goes back to the, the thing of like this, what this solves really, really well is environment variables. What this doesn't necessarily solve in a holistic way is like, what if I need to get my stuff from etcd? And, and that's a much more complicated problem um, and maybe, and that's maybe this shouldn't be trying to solve that, right? Like, is there another next step? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Um, you know, that's, I, it's really tough. Like, I, I just, I, again, it goes back to this idea that like, I just think this stuff falls so squarely in the camp of it depends for your application and your needs that devising any single solution that's going to holistically solve all of it is just probably not that likely. Like, I don't think you're going to be able to come up with one, one singular good solution that always works for everybody's use case. Then I think we can go back to the beginning of this conversation and say, is this a problem that can be solved with technology or is it a problem that has to be solved with people and education? And I think that if it, if the answer to config is, well, it depends, then it's definitely an education issue and not a technology issue. Yeah, I mean that's 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 kind of where I land on it. Um, I you know, like I said, I'm I'm you know I'm not gonna leak leave the language over over it or anything. I I'm pretty in the camp of like I don't 
really I think I think these proposals have the potential to do more harm than good long term just because I think it does add a lot of complexity um, and it's going to add a lot more it's it's going to do a couple things one is it's going to add complexity it's going to it's going to become a standard way of doing this and I think the other thing is it's going to paper over a thing that we've already all agreed is a problem which is the use of application of right it's solving an immediate problem that that people have which is a valid problem right i don't want to have to spend all my time answering questions about why people can't do dynamic configuration from their from their environment variables um so it's solving a legitimate problem i don't want to diminish that but you know i, I think it's i think it's a it's it's a solution that has the potential to add problems to add a lot more problems um I don't know. I'm saying the same things over and over again now. No, but I mean, I think, again, you, we'll see, right? You have to start, I think, you have to start somewhere, right? People have problems. You're trying to, as a, as a, as a, as a, you're trying to create a solution, right? And maybe you're right, or, and, or maybe it manifests differently, right? Like future proofing is also really hard, right? We don't know. Um, I think what you're saying is valid, but also I think taking a small step forward rather than trying to drastically change things isn't um, unwise, so to speak. Um, but I think we keep coming back to this idea of, well, there's a larger problem that's not necessarily any, any specific technical problem, but how we think about the language as a community um, and using it to build systems, right? Um, and what paradigm are we using or what paradigms are we bringing from other communities? Um, that affect our thinking of this particular language, right? I, I think to take a slightly different spin on all this as well, I, I think a, a large uh, a contributing factor to all this, to this whole discussion, is the fact that deploying Elixir is kind of a total crapshoot right now. Like, it's like, you just don't, it's, it's very non-standard. Um, and that's not... I don't want to like slag anybody in saying that, but it's just like there's a bunch of ways to deploy Elixir right now. All of them are kind of equally valid and 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 it's very, very non-standard, which I think is a lot. I think that's part of where this problem comes from. Um, you know, you can you can cut a release. Uh, you can actually you build a real release or build a real release using distillery. Um, and that's what a lot of people do. But just as many people just use mix, just skip releases altogether, often because of these problems, and they just you know run a release or, or run it with mix. Some people deploy just Git and then like compile their Elixir on their server. Like I've seen people do that. Um, you know, uh, some people build a release and then put it inside a Docker container. Uh, some people just put all their stuff in a Docker container and then run it with mix. Some people, you know, it's like, it's like there's all these kind of myriad ways to do the same thing. Um, and there's pros and cons to all of it, but I think that contributes to, to part of the problem and part of these inconsistencies is because there are all these different ways to go about solving the deployment problem. And this is obviously only a thing that really becomes an issue when you deploy. So, uh, it, it, that's where you, I think you run into some, some problems there as well, or like that adds to the confusion. Mm -hmm. Whereas, you know, 
if the entire community always built releases, we'd probably have better solutions for this. Um, or I won't say better, but I'll say, well, we would probably have a solution for this. We could probably have a concerted, like conventional solution for this. If, if, if like the de facto way to deploy it was always using releases, um, you know, it, it, I I'm, I'm for that. Yeah. I'm, I mean, we use releases a lot, uh, that we did it. That's what we always did at let um, was, was we built, uh, releases with distillery and then we just deployed releases, um, but and even even if we were deploying with Docker, we deployed the release into a Docker container because it makes the Docker container a lot smaller when you do it that way and bakes all the tools that you need and that kind of stuff. So you can just throw it inside an Alpine container and then deploy the container. Um, but that's part of the problem too, is um, uh, because there's oh I mean we didn't even and we didn't even talk about like the people who are doing hot code reloads is not a lot of people right. I, mean, I don't i know very 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 few people who actually do that but it is a feature of the language and the, or rather like the runtime that you have to support um at least from i don't know about have to but a lot of people choose to support and all of the like you know uh a lot of like the release tooling and that kind of stuff it has to support hot code reloads like it has to be able to support that kind of stuff because people do that and so um, that's all, that adds a whole another layer of nonsense to this because you start having to figure out like, okay, well now how do I, if I did a hot code reload, now how do I start to get the configuration again? Now do I need to like rerun all my runtime configs and repopulate my application.gitinf? Is that the correct thing to do if I like run a hot code reload? If it's in an init, it's well. That's what know. I'm saying. Like it's like, but, but that's like an open question, right? Like, how do you do that? Oh, and yeah. then here, like, let's let's talk, let's uh, let's try this on. What if that doesn't work and you want to roll back? Should those environment variables and stuff have been versioned in some way? Should you be able to like? Should that break your entire system because you need to roll back and you you now have you know different config that you've pulled in from some external source like? Like this is a hard problem. This is a really, really hard problem. I think that's one that we might have to discuss on a different day because if we don't deploy Anna to Stockholm soon, she's not <laughs> Yeah, I have to get going pretty soon. I think this is worth continuing. We could maybe do episode version two. Um, yeah. I, I, if y'all are yeah. for continuing the discussion. It's, it's, a, it's a really deep topic and I think it's really hard. It's, it's, a, it's multifaceted. It has all kinds of different problems. Yes. And there's a bunch of, there isn't a standard way of doing any of this in Elixir because there's not a standard way of rolling out new Elixir code. You know, even if you are doing releases, you can do releases with immutable deploys and Docker containers, or you might you do releases with hot code reloads, or you might just do mix in some some variation of all that. You know, there's there's all kinds of there's all kinds of problems that we have to solve for, and they're complicated. They're really really complicated. Um, which kind of goes back to the thing of like, I don't, I, you know, I, I just wonder how this one solution is going to play with all that. So, yeah. Yeah, that's true. It's interesting. It's complicated um, for sure. Yes, know. it is. Interesting. I'm sorry. I talked too much on this one. I just, <laughs> no, <laughs> don't apologize. Um, to be continued, no. right. It's a complicated discussion. Yeah. yeah. 
Sounds good. I don't I don't know that we have a whole lot of ending thoughts. I think we kind of got everything out there. Unless somebody has yeah. something they want to say. Chris, be quiet. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I think to be continued, right? I think deployment is also something that we could very much talk about. Because um, that's definitely a thing. Um, but to be yeah. continued. I think it might be kind of fun to get um, some friends of the show uh on the show and actually and actually talk to them about it so maybe yes. we can try to orchestrate that'd be great. that at some point that'd be great we didn't mention any friends of the show, <gasps> the show. i know y'all uh, i guess kind of Vinny. Vinny won the book so Vinny is now a friend of the show. <laughs> yeah i did I, I mean i do have to bring this up but i did spend a decent amount of time talking to fred about talking Shh, to don't fred say about his name <laughs> And he had a lot of really good points. I thought we were going to get through an episode without mentioning. I mean, he had a bunch. He had a bunch no, of can't. a bunch Not of good anymore. points about it as well, which we can we can talk about. But I mean, he he basically said that he does the thing that I'm advocating, which is like you just you know populate application and then your application start if it's high level stuff like you know your Kafka connection or whatever. But anyway. Um, I felt like we needed to to bring up. He's not even a friend of the show. He's like the outlaw. The, the show the chief outlaw or something <laughs> like like yeah you know. there we go yeah gang leader i don't know yeah there we He's go jesse we need james a, we needed like a we need a, an appropriate <laughs> uh title um mm-hmm. so but yeah uh it's an interesting topic it's fun i appreciate everybody letting me ramble for so long <laughs> no it was really interesting um and i think it's important i think that conversation is important mm-hmm. And and always Hiana. remember, people are oh. good luck. People uh, always remember. I, I man, I keep trying to end no, it. I'm just, just I, was, going. I wanted to. I, I know, just, just... God damn it! I just wanted to say one <laughs> thing, which is just that I appreciate all the work and effort that the core team and everyone else is doing. Which you know, even if we have differences of opinion, like uh, they're, I appreciate the work that they're doing, and there's no hard feelings either way. It's just, it's a programming language. <laughs> mentioned that right like this show is never about like it takes so much to manage and sustain um something a project this large right anyway that's Um, all i wanted to say sorry amos (laughs) i still love you chris all right y'all i gotta run sweden have fun Um, have a great day all right i'll talk to y'all soon bye